Ours. Who's our? Who? Be more specific. Believers, right? So we say believers are the ones that are supposed to be evangelistic. Is every believer an evangelist? Well, that's a question we're going to try to look at, right? So in, and you can turn if you want, but I have all the scripture printed out because I want to go fast. So you're going to have to stay with it. Is every believer an evangelist? Um, so 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, but watch thou, I, I printed this in King James, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. Who is he talking to? It's in Timothy. I'll give you a hint. Timothy. What was Timothy's vocation at this time? He was a pastor, right? So it sounds to me like pastors are supposed to do the work of an evangelist. Well, who's called an evangelist in the New Testament? Anybody know? Philip. Anybody else? Nope. No one else is called an evangelist in the New Testament that I could find. So he's the only one that we're told is an evangelist. But we see Timothy's told to do the work of an evangelist, right? So I guess it's pretty important to find out what the work of an evangelist is. So in Acts 21, verse 8, it says, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. So what does it mean he was one of the seven? Yeah, right. So, so a lot of people say that the seven men that were chosen to wait on the tables and help the widows in, in, in Acts were the first deacons, and probably so, because they were doing a lot of work. Acts 8.5 says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Acts 8.35 then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So we know Philip is an evangelist, so we want to see what was he doing, right? So in these verses tell me he was proclaiming Christ. He was opening his mouth, which you have to do to proclaim, right? You know what proclaim means, to speak. Um, and he, who was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus. And then <clears throat> 8.35, it says he was telling the good news about Jesus. How many here know that there's good news about Jesus? Yeah, we all know that, right? And so even if we're not all evangelists, we do have the message of Christ and can do the work of an evangelist, which we just saw what Philip did, was to proclaim and speak the good news and just give it out. It's not hard. Not hard to understand it. It's not hard. That's the simple message that we have to tell the truth. So we see that evangelists uh, open their mouth and speak. Whose job is it to save a person? God. Can I do it? Can you do it? So what's our job? Yeah. Well, our job is to say it, right? Our job isn't to save them. Our job is just to speak. We can, I, everyone in this room can speak. I know that. I've heard you all speak. So we can do it. What are some other words for evangelism? Real quick, some other words. What's another word for evangelism? 
Well, proclaiming, what's the word we use all the time? It's on the top of the sheet. Witness, right? We use witness. That means to evangelize. Um, we use, we can preach, we can give the word, we can tell the truth. So why should you and I be witnesses? Why should you and I evangelize? What's the purpose of us witnessing? What do we do? First of all, what do you say when you're witnessing? What's the simple message? Bring it down to a few words. What is it? Christ died for your sins. We know the truth. We know that. It's not like it's hidden from us. It's right in front of our eyes. And we know it. And it's in us. And so it can come out of us very simply by what we say and what we do. Uh, I'm going to read to you, <clears throat> you can turn this to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 5. And while you're turning, I'm going to start reading. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who believe because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God would make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I could sit down now. The question in front of us is, why should we witness? If that doesn't drive us to witness, let's go back and just look at some of the words that he used. Look at verse 8. He's coming back in flaming fire, and what's he going to be doing? Inflicting vengeance. Boy, does that sound like the loving God? Well, we know when we did the exchange, God is righteous, God is just, and he cannot let sin be. Cannot. He won't allow sin into his heaven. So he's going to inflict vengeance on who? Those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord. And what's going to happen to them when they die? What's it say in verse 9? They will suffer. They will, they will suffer punishment and eternal destruction. How many of you people, how many of us have friends that do not know the God, do not know God, and don't obey the gospel? We all know someone. What's going to happen to them? It's horrible what's going to happen to them. And the worst part of it is they will never, ever see the glory of God for all eternity once they're in hell. Forget the punishment, which is bad enough. We always think hell, fire, burning, hurt, oh, you know, people screaming. But the worst part of that is they will be eternally separated from God. Totally. 
That should be enough right there. I should be able to sit down and say, okay, we're done. Let's go have coffee. Because we need to be motivated to tell people where they're going and what is available to them and the wonderful salvation that our Father has provided. So what prevents us from witnessing? What's one reason we don't witness? Anybody? Fear. That's the very first one I put down. Fear of what? You know what it's fear of? Rejection. We're afraid, oh, my feelings might get hurt because they think I'm dumb because I believe that I'm going to heaven. Another reason I think we do it is lack of knowledge. 1 Timothy 3.16 says it would be workmen. Don't need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing, rightly understanding God's word. And to be, to do the work of an evangelist, we don't have to be, we don't have to have a seminary degree. We have people there that have degrees and that's awesome but you don't need a seminary degree to tell the truth about who God is and those people that are going to be away from God forever your heart should be breaking for them my heart breaks when I see that how about lack of concern that's the that's a problem how about not prepared when's the last time you prayed the night before or that morning, God, give me someone to witness to. Give me someone that I can represent you to. I try to do that every day. And you know what? I'm still surprised when he gives me opportunities. I'm like, wow, I can't believe this. Well, he's answering prayer, right? So I shouldn't be doing that. How about uh, we're ashamed? Anybody ever been ashamed? I have to my shame. Right? But the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So we have, and you know these verses. Like, I'm not using these obscure verses here. These are pretty straightforward. Now, we also have, well, and the last thing I put, and I asterisk this, lack of understanding what separation from God for eternity means. If you would just dwell on that, Dwell on that when you're at lunch today when you're talking. Hey, my brother, name him, is going to be away from God for eternity. I have the truth. All I need to do is tell him. And his response ain't up to you, which makes it even better, right? It take that, when I realized that, it took the pressure off of me. I remember when I first got saved, people were getting saved everywhere, and I'm like, I don't have anyone getting saved. Something wrong with me. But then God showed me, hey, John, back off. It's not you. All you got to do is tell them the truth. Man, that like took so much weight off of me. And if people think I'm a, a rube for telling them the truth, well, it is what it is. I'm okay with that. So I'm just going to read uh, through. You can turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting in verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we renounce great, disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case... 
The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's just look at that. Verse, verse 1 says, we all have a ministry. You know what that word ministry means? Same word for deacon. We all serve. We're all serving. And it's in a present tense, which means we all serve now, and we keep on serving. Like you don't witness once and say, did my job. It's not, that's not it. This is a continual thing. Um, it, we have the truth in the face of Jesus Christ. Just see what that says? The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We know Christ. By the way, he lives in my heart. He lives in your heart. We know him. It's not like we're, we're talking about someone that we don't know. The world doesn't really know Jesus. They know of him. But we know him. And then in verse 2, it says... Just speak the plain truth. All you got to do is, is just say what it is. It says, but we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. It says, by the open statement of the truth. So how hard is it for us to speak the truth? We all should be always speaking the truth, right? But this truth is a special truth. This is the truth of the of a way that God has provided for that loved person or that neighbor or that friend to not be separated from God forever. Motivation, motivation, motivation. And that's why we speak. Um, look at, and it says um, in verse 4, the God of this world. Who's that? Satan. What has he done? He's blinded the minds of unbelievers. When I first read that, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God's the one that saves. How, how, Satan doesn't have the power to do that. But he does, doesn't he? You know why? How does he blind the minds of... Think of your friends. Think of your, your sp sphere of friends that aren't saved. How are they blinded to the truth? What blinds them? Well, Satan blinds them. What does he use? Yeah, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the desire of pride of life. And in First John, it says, it's not of God. So if it's not of God, who is it? It's of us and Satan. Satan uses the world and the things around us to make us forget how important it is for us to tell the lost and dying people around us the truth of the gospel. And by the way, we get involved in that too. I do. I get caught up in it. I forget how important it is. Life gets in the way. I always say Christians are kind of dumb because we let life get in our way. And I include me in that. I'm not blaming you guys. But we have this treasure in earthen jars, it says. So I want to be out of this body. I want to be in my heavenly body, and 
no more pain, my hip works, my knee works, and you know, I'm not hurting anymore. But guess what? God gave me this body, and now I gotta use it. He gave us, he's the part of, we're, we're just the ones that he made. He made us for a purpose. And we're gonna look at that purpose at the very end as we go through um, how, to, how to use a track, how to, how to just speak the truth. So it's all about God, not us. If you take yourself out of the equation and just say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, it becomes easier. Because now I can't, I don't have any excuse for one thing. Can't say I'm ashamed. I don't know enough. Um, I don't know what they're going to ask me. So what? God does. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This seals it for me. This passage seals to me every single believer in the world has a ministry and has to do, or should be doing, the work of an evangelist. Not every believer is an evangelist. I don't, I don't really know how you decide if you're an evangelist, <laughs> be honest, because every, every, every person needs to speak, every person needs to proclaim, every person needs to tell the truth. Every person needs to have a heart for the lost, every believer. So I think that's why God only showed us one evangelist in the New Testament, so we don't get all hung up on that. I'm not an evangelist, so I can't do this. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I'm just going to read the whole thing, then we'll go back and talk about it. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, we have to remember what he said before. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. This statement blows my mind. God making his appeal through us. You want to speak for God? Let me, he tells you what to say. Watch. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know why? The last verse. For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amazing. This, this passage to me seals the deal. There is no Christian that can say to me, I can't witness. Now, not everyone has the same personality, and people witness in different ways, and we're going to be talking about that. But, but the fact of this applies to every single believer in the world. There is not one believer who can't say this doesn't apply to me. God uses us in different ways, right? And, and he's going to use you where he won't use me, and he's going to use me where he won't use you. But we have to be willing vessels to do it, right? And by the way, he gave us everything we need, right? So let's, let's go back and look at that. Um, 
<clears throat> Go back and look. If anyone is in Christ, who, who's that? Who, who's in Christ? Every believer, right? <clears throat> I taught a message one time called, you're in or you're out. You can't be halfway. You're either in Christ or you're not. You're either in, in or you're out. So every believer that is in Christ, guess what we are? A brand new creation. So before I was saved, oh, I, live, I can't, no, I'm not speaking to anybody. I can't do that. I'm not going to tell anybody anything. I'm just going to, like, hide. Well, now God says you're a new creation. So let's look at our new created part of us. The old has passed away, and the new has come. It's here. It's not going away. In Christ is a fixed position. New creation means the God really recreated us. The act of creating. That's what that word means. Only God can create something from nothing, right? Because before we were saved, what, what does God call us? What's a, what's, what are some of the things God says we were before we accepted Christ as our Savior? Sinners. Well, we're still sinners. We're just saved sinners, right? Dead. We're dead. I believe in zombies. I see them walking around all the time. There's dead people walking around everywhere. They're dead to the truth of God. And we have the truth. They're blind. If you're in a, if you're in a, a room, and a, if, we had all, if you guys are all blind and, and walking around in this room and trying to find the door and you're bumping into me, what do you think I'd do? I'd go get away from me. No, I wouldn't do that. Like, Let me take your hand. I'll bring you to the door. It's a bunch of blind people. Jeff just had a great opportunity I, I heard of. Someone asked them, what do you believe? I want to read the Bible. Wow, what a great opportunity that is. We're new creations. The old has passed away. You know what that means? The old has passed away. It means it's gone once, never to be repeated again. Our old man is gone. It's in the aorist tense, which means psh, gone. Never to be done again. And look at, um, it, it has come is the perfect, perfect active. Uh, they're here and are still coming. Seeing things through the spirit is now our new way of life. You couldn't see things through the spirit of God prior to your salvation. Because it was foolishness, right? Because our minds were blinded, right? But now we're a new creation, brand new. I'm an old man, but I'm brand new. And, it, and, it, and it's never going to change. And all this is from God. This is all from God. You didn't, you didn't earn it. You couldn't make yourself do it. It's all from God. And what does he say? Who through Christ, what did he do? What did he do? He reconciled us. To himself. Reconciled, that's, I think, where they got the exchange from. Because that's really what it means to exchange. To exchange, to receive into favor. To change, to make it agree. So in the old days, you balanced the checkbook, right? And at the end, when you balanced your checkbook and it said that you have $8 million in the bank, but the bank says you have $35. <laughs> Who's right? The bank's right. You reconcile your statement to the bank. God reconciled us to him because he is the standard. 
He is the right. He is the one that we needed to be made to fit into. He didn't change for us. He changed us for him. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's ministry? Well, that's the same thing, right? Deacon, service, do it. He's given to us. Everyone here is a new creation, so he's speaking to every one of us. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, it says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That means restoration. It means we have a message that will restore people back to the relationship that God intended us to have in the Garden of Eden prior to sin. We have that same relationship with God. He's restoring us. We like old, I like old cars, and we restore them. We try to bring them back to the glory that they used to be in. And this is something every believer is called to by God. And we're commanded to tell others. It's, he gave us the message. What's a, if you have a message, if I give you a message and say, you know, tell Suzanne I'm coming to her house for lunch, you got to go give her the message, right? It means you got to speak it. Yeah. I'm not coming. I'm only kidding. <laughs> right? <clears throat> um, so that is, so here's, here's the message. That is, this is the message we all have. It, in verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Not counting means justification is enacted. It's done. He's not counting it against them anymore. And that was you and me at some point. Doesn't mean there's no ramification for sin. It simply means God can't look at us because of our, right, our righteousness God can look at us because of our righteousness through, his blood, through the blood of Christ. doesn't mean we don't have ramifications for sin. You rob a bank, you're going to jail. I hope. What's the message? Message is something said, a word. That's what it means. We have the true message from the creator God. Let's tell them. Let's give the message that God has entrusted to us. So look at verse 20. So after all that, he's, give, he, he's reconciled us. He's reconciling the world. He's given us the message of reconciliation. Now he's saying, therefore, there's that word again, therefore. So because of all that, what do we? What, what's every single believer called there? Ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Ambassador, it's a verb, by the way, that is in present active tense. So you want to be an ambassador, I guess, ambassadates. I don't know if that's a word, but ambassadors do things, right? Uh, it's, it means an elder in the sense of age or experience, seasoned or experienced, representing a higher power. So every believer is and should be an active participate, participant in ambassadoring. <laughs> so verb is action, right? You're going to move. So let's do some ambassadoring. I made up words. I love doing that. 
So we're ambassadors that represent the king of heaven. We can bring his message to lost people who, if they don't accept it, will spend an eternity separated from the glory of God. And on top of that, it'll be punishment, painful punishment forever. That should be enough. We've looked at enough verses to give us a desire, I hope, to want to give the truth. I always say this, you know, my wife had cancer and some of you here have had cancer. And if someone had a pill that would cure that cancer, knew that, knew that my wife had the cancer and didn't give her that pill, I'd be pretty mad at him. Are you kidding me? You had the answer and you wouldn't give it to us? Why? Because you were ashamed? What? Because you were afraid? We have the words of life. They're dying. They have no hope. And they don't even know it. That's the thing. I mean, if they knew it, they'd be asking us. We had someone that did. God opens the eyes of the unsaved sometimes and brings them. I've had people come into here and say, you said that you're going to heaven, John, at the car show. I want to know how. I want to know why. Whoa, okay. How good is that? That's, that's all good stuff. And so we need to, to, to be an ambassador. Um, lost my spot. <laughs> okay. So God makes his appeal through us. We employ on behalf of Christ, right? So Paul... I want to read this. This came from Robertson's Word Pictures. So Paul has a natural pride in using the dignified term for himself and all ministers. The ambassador has to be persona grata. In other words, in good standing, right? Persona grata with both countries. So we need to be in good standing with two countries. What are the two countries? One we live in on earth and the one that's really our country in heaven. So we need to be in good standing on both of those. That's what an ambassador does. He represents his country to a foreign country. But he doesn't do it by bringing a gun and holding it to their head. He does it by being like Christ. We need to act like Christ. We need to have the compassion of Christ on these people. And so the message is uh, God's making his appeal through us. Can you imagine... God coming to you and saying, it, just picture this. You're in bed, you wake up, and there's an angel right in front of you. And the angel says to you, I have a message directly from God that I want you to give to John, John Stuckey. He gives you the message, and you don't say it. Would you not say it? If an angel stood in front of you, you and I would go, what do you want? I'll do whatever you want. I'll go do it right now. So for his sake, look at verse 21. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We, right here, everybody who's a new creation is now has the righteousness of God. We're not going to suffer eternal punishment. So a couple things from this message. We should be the happiest people in the world, and we should be the saddest people in the world. 
We should be so happy that we're going to heaven that we're so sad that those people that are lost are going to hell. That's really what we should be. Titus 2.11. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to read 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all. That word all means any ethnic group for all of mankind. For all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That means mundane passions and longings and desires. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in, in the present, right now. Waiting for... Now, when that word waiting, it means with confidence. We're waiting for a sure thing to happen. We're waiting for our blessed, our happy hope. What is it? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're, we are the new creations that are just waiting. And then we saw, we saw in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, He's coming back and flaming vengeance, right? And flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know him. And, it's, if you go back and look at that, to be glorified by his saints. And why? Because Paul's, Paul's writing, this, writing that to the, to the um, um, Corinthians saying, listen, you know the truth. And when Christ comes, we are going to glorify him. And the reason you're going to be part of the group that's going to glorify him because our testimony among you was believed. Paul gave the truth. These people believed. Now they're going to be part of the happy group and not suffering eternal punishment. Okay. Um, just finish that. In verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Do you know we're called peculiar people? You guys are really peculiar. You know why? Because you're a new creation. That's why. All right, on your notes, why do I evangelize? To show God's glory in his perfect plan of redemption, God sent his only begotten son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. I know the truth. They need to hear it. I go tell the truth, and God does the rest. That's why I evangelize. Pretty simple, right? That's why I do it. So what have we, what have we, we have answered the following. This is, what, it's on your notes. Who's the only evangelist revealed in the New Testament? Philip. Who's charged with doing the work of an evangelist? The pastor is, right? Timothy is. Who's charged with representing God on this earth? All of us, right? We're all ambassadors. What ministry has God given to each believer? We just read it in Corinthians. The ministry of reconciliation. Um, and that message is not counting our sins against us. That's our message. What does God want from his ambassadors? To represent him and to beg the lost to be reconciled to God. That's what we've learned. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's our message. And we need to do it. 
So let's put some feet to the ground in evangelizing. Um, first thing you do is pray for opportunities. Second thing you do is go, do the work of an evangelist. And the third thing is be an ambassador for God. I know I'm going fast, so if you want any of these things, I'll give you my notes. Um, okay, so what, what are the different evangelistic opportunities? What are some of our audiences? Who, who would be some of our audiences? Real quick. Relatives. Okay, you know, I'm going to give you the answers because I want to get to the track. I'm running out of time. Um, uh, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, acquaintances, strangers. That's pretty much everybody. How about settings? Like, where can you do it? How about at home? How about in a neighborhood? How about in the workplace? How about just in everyday life? We can do all this. Everyday life. It should be, it should be our life. Opportunities. Well, get involved with neighbors. How about hobbies? You sew, you artist, you, you fantasy football. You guys, I know, I know you guys do that. Uh, this is an opportunity. I'm sure you, you, you're in touch with many unsafe people in that. Um, church evangelistic events like the car show, old home day, and the cookie swap, uh, whatever we call it now. Um, but great opportunities. All right, so Pastor Ty started something. Uh, Craig continued it, so I'm going to repeat it. Right? So what are the four things? God, man, Christ, receive, repent, uh, response. Right? So let's look at the bridge track. I should have passed these out earlier. Do you guys know what these are? Do you guys, how many have ever used this track? Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, so the bridge track is pretty much set up that way, right? And this, it's a picture, I mean, it's so simple, right? The reason I use it is I'm, I'm really a simple guy. And there's a lot of pictures in this. Right? <laughs> so, first thing we said was, so when you're talking to someone, and hey, listen, does someone want to come up? I'll witness to you. Who wants to come up and be witness to? We're going to use this track. Come on, I got five minutes. Someone come up. All right. Well, I want someone else, but I'll take you. <laughs> All right, so listen. No, no, come on. So listen, we're at Old Home Day. I, I, I'll just use Old Home Day as an example of people walking by, and we, we reel them in with water. Hey, you want some water? <laughs> yeah. And so, so the kids are really good at that. They give out the water, and, and I stand there and go, hey, do uh, you live in, in Drakeit? Do you? Yeah. Do you, do you uh, go to church anywhere? No. No. My parents, no. my grandmother used to go. Yeah, yeah, sure. Do you, um, do you believe in heaven? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Do you believe there's a God? Uh, kind of like agnostic. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's all right. I mean, so until you know, you don't know, right? So we're, we're this is old home day now, right? This is what I say. Listen, we're at Grace Bible Church. We're in Drake at five. 517 Methuen Street. You know where that is? Yeah, yeah. They don't know where it is when they say it, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's good. So we're a local church. We're, we're an independent Bible-believing church. Our church believes in God, that there is a God in heaven. Our church believes that Jesus Christ is God and that a person can know for sure that they can go to heaven. Do you know if you do you believe in heaven? It's a nice idea. It's a nice idea, yeah, yeah. Well, when you die, 
if there is a heaven, would you like to know that you could go there? Yeah, who wouldn't want who wouldn't want to go to heaven, right? So, so, how would you expect to get yourself to heaven? Yeah, good person, I guess. Yeah, I used to say that too. Yeah, I'm a good guy. I, I, I don't steal. I don't rob. Yeah, every once in a while, I cheated my taxes before, you know. But yeah, I never stole or did anything like that. But let me let me tell you. I'm going to tell you something, and I don't. You're going to think I'm weird when I say it. I know for sure I'm going to heaven. So if I closed my eyes and died right now, I would be in heaven. Now let me show you something. Let me just show you with this track, right? So turn to the first page. Listen, there, do you believe in, you said you're not sure you believe in God, that there's a God. You believe in a higher power? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody believes in something, right? So, so okay, well, I believe that higher power is God, right? And so God has a purpose. How did we get here? You know, God gives us the answer in the Bible of the biggest questions that we have. How did I get here? Why am I here? Where am I going? Right? That's really, everybody wants to know that. So God tells us right here. He's given us, God created man to honor and serve and fellowship with him, the Bible says. And it's, there's Bible verses. I don't necessarily read all the Bible verses because I give them the track after and tell them, read it. Right? Because if I read every verse, it would take forever. And people are always like, mm, I got to go. And Everybody's walking around, and they don't, you know. So, so the purpose is God, God created us. See, I believe God created us, and so we are his creatures. So there is a difference, though, between what do you think the difference is between God and you and God and me? He's powerful. He's powerful. How about, how about this? The Bible says that God has never sinned. Have you ever sinned? Maybe. Maybe. Have you, have you ever lied? Yeah. yeah, well, everybody's lied. Sure, I've lied. You know, I've cheated on my taxes, I told you. But I don't do that anymore because God has shown me that there is a difference between him. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we have a problem. See the problem? Man's here. God's purpose is over here. But there's a big gully there. How are we going to get there? Right? So how would you try to get rid of your sin? Be nice to people. Be nice to people. Yeah. Yeah. So and if, if you were to die right now and stand before this higher power, God, and he said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What's your answer? I've done the best I could. Yeah. So if I stood behind you and said, I did better than him, let me and not him, because I did three less things than he did, than you did, I'd be talking to him. Why would he let you in and not me? I mean, the difference is this. We cannot get rid of our sin by ourselves, But God gave us a, a way to do that. That's the first bell. Okay, well, read it on your own. <laughs> so take this track, and when you're talking to someone, just, it's, it's simple. It, follow it through. It is God, mankind, Christ, and response. That's exactly what this is. So go through it, and um, I hope this was helpful. Sorry I took too long on the front. Um, let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you that we are your ambassadors and you gave us the words to speak. Help us to do that. Uh, we know that you're for us. Who could be against us? Thanks for loving us. We pray that you'd be worshipped the rest of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.